Welcome everybody to episode 2 of Archetype Influencers, the show where I talk to people known for only playing one deck. And today, I have a good friend of mine, Dugs. Dugs on Twitch. Um, he is a archetype influencer of Legacy Maverick. And um, he's, been, he's been playing this for a long time, but I'll let him tell you more about it later on throughout the show. Um, but Dugs. Uh, if you want to go ahead and tell the good people where they can find you or any of your information, you got a Twitch stream, you got a Twitter, um, go ahead and tell the people the information they need to know to get into contact with this sweet, sweet Maverick um, content. Hey, uh, yeah, so I am Dukes on Discord, so that's D-O-U-G-E-S. Uh, on Twitter, it's just Twitter slash Dukes on Twitch. On Twitch, it's just slash uh, Dukes on Twitch. And uh, on YouTube, it's just slash C slash Dukes on Twitch. And Dukes has a great website all about Maverick. If you want to learn more about Maverick, if you're interested in this episode of Archetype Influencers and uh, you, you want to just dive real deep into grindy green uh, decks, you can go to greensunzenith.com. Is that, that's right, right? Yeah, 100%, thegreensunzenith.com. Greensunzenith.com. Great website. A uh, ton of great content on there. But, Dukes, let's get into Maverick as a whole, the archetype in verbal form rather than the uh, uh, visual word on your website. So, first, I really just want to know about, like, the either, either way you want to take this, the history of the deck or your history of the deck in, in, in some form of how the archetype came to be in, in your uh familiarity with it yeah cool easy so i guess if we just go for a timeline and then i'll catch up with myself at the very end uh mm. so i believe survival of the fittest was kind of the the big thing with green in, in legacy back in around 2010 uh and then when it was banned uh you had a lot of players kind of striving out for the next big thing in in, in green um mm. it was definitely a deck dominated by blue so uh you had a lot of people testing and Luckily, there was a guy, and I could get this name wrong, uh, Luis Viciano, who I believe was Maverick on MTG uh, O. Uh, so he came out with a, a green sort of Maverick-based vile deck that took a lot of people's interest, did really well. Uh, and then, of course, a year later, when Green Sun Zenith was revealed in Mirrodin Besieged, uh, he changed that up. Uh, and took Maverick to pretty much what it is today, um, which is very cool. So uh, Maverick, of course, is a, a green-white base deck that's got a lot of creatures in it, a lot of disruptive elements to it. Uh, you can find the creatures with uh, tutor effects through Green Sun Zenith. You can find your lands in disruption uh, through Night of the Reliquary. Um, Drew Lewin actually said in a video from uh, Inside the Deck, uh, that it was kind of a Euro European-born deck that was made to beat the, the blue heavy and tempo decks. Um, and it was kind of a deck that people rooted for, especially in a matter of Force Will and Brainstorm. People were kind of looking for the, the David in a sort of Goliath format, which is very cool. Um, right, right. Were you playing when um, Green Sun got printed in Mirrodin? Unfortunately not. I started playing in Return to Ravnica. Um, so I started with standard, oh, okay. uh, and then I got kind of sick of the rotating elements. I remember buying my Thrag Tusks for like $30 each, and then uh, 
Sadly, post rotation, yeah. they went down to like five dollars each. Uh, but I did see a yeah, friend. It feels like siege right now. Yeah, hundred percent. I um I once watched a friend, uh, Michael Kruzer, who was playing modern, and he went turn one noble hierarch, uh, turn two ghost quarter, play Leon and Arbiter ghost quarter his opponent, and I kind of got stuck on the the green white death death and taxes or green white hate bears, uh, deck from there, and I guess just as you play modern. Uh, you can't you kind of like move your way up and see a few friends play legacy and um, there was a deck called death and taxes in legacy which i i really liked so i built that um and then from there i i kind of feel like i put a, a good few years into death and taxes and really wanted to come back and get that green splash again um so moved to maverick probably about a, a year or two ago okay all right uh, so how what what drew you to playing Maverick over just straight up like death and taxes like Green White Hate Bears? Yeah, uh, so I've always been a massive fan of just fair, honest creature based decks. Uh, it's always really cool when you you know you play against a deck that might have a, a pretty easy win con something like uh, Dark Depths or uh, uh, a show and tell version of a, a deck. Um, so it's always nice to have disruption that stops your opponent from actually playing their strategy while beating down and actually getting a win just from sort of disruption elements so the the two decks between maverick and death and taxes definitely had a lot of appeal to me um i actually just kind of hated the the local meta shift that a lot of the death and taxes players caused that created a lot of sort of neg one neg one hate so um i i i have a, a stack of uh dread of knights that i bought out and i have maybe uh, i have a full folder so at least 360 dread of knights that I didn't want the locals to get, which is uh, pretty funny. But um, you know, it was a it was a, it was a meta when I switched to to Maverick of just a lot of Golgari charms, a lot of uh, Dread of Knights, um, just a, a lot of hate. And there was a lot of cards within Maverick that didn't actually die to that sort of specific hate. So the creatures are a lot harder to remove. Um, and I found that with Maverick, not every deck list is the same, which is nice. It's a highly flexible. Uh, archetype so you can tune your deck to your meta um, and that was a massive appeal to me so you could actually tune it so that all these neg one neg one effects didn't really hurt your deck right right yeah the whole thing where you where you were just describing how um you get to sort of punish the decks that are at, on top like the fair blue while beating them down it just screamed like Delver to me, that seems exactly what Delver is doing, and I don't, I don't know if you've ever thought of the similarities between Maverick and, and Delver. I don't know if you have any like thoughts on that, because like to me, like those decks are the same if you just like strip the color pie away. You know, they're they're playing these creatures, they're stripping your opponent down, not letting them interact with your own creatures, and just beating them. Yeah, 100%. I mean, there's there's definitely similarities even between Thalia and Days. Like, you know, are you going to play pay one for that? Um, you're both playing Wastelands. I think there's definitely uh, room for playing a protect the queen kind of strategy with both decks. So landing a creature and then just protecting that threat at all costs until you actually come out with a victory. Um, mm. So, yeah, that's actually really interesting. One thing that I, I will touch on is that uh, I know that when Maverick first came about, Night of the Reliquary was huge because a lot of the, the blue decks couldn't deal with it. Um, having a, a, a threat that wasn't boltable um, back then was just, you know, pretty huge 
uh, as a way to kind of break through that that matchup but i've always strived to have a turn two knight that's at least a four four so trying to fetch on your opening turns with a, a noble hierarchy birds of paradise but now with with D with uh with delva you kind of have to make sure that your knights are five five or sorry sorry it can't just be a 4-4 because they can bolt it, but then there's also Ren in the mix. So if there's a Ren down, they can ping it and then bolt it. So it's kind of shifted away right. from Delva being a great matchup to definitely being uh, pretty tough sometimes to get through. It went from being great to being a matchup. That's for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. There's um, you know, there's times where you're getting wastelanded, and it's like, when did when did Maverick become the deck that could get wastelanded out of the game? <laughs> Like it's just it's it blew my mind. Yeah, yeah. That 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 leads perfectly. The next thing I want to talk about, which is sort of the strengths and weaknesses of the archetype as a whole. So like, it can be general like matchups are going to be specifically like cards. I know you mentioned with death and taxes, like that's sort of dread of night. You know, that's a card that's a weakness. But I don't I don't necessarily think of anything that does that to Maverick. There's sort of combinations. You touched on a red and six bolt, but. I can't think of any one card that sort of neuters Maverick in the same way, like Choke can neuter a, a blue deck. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, it's funny because I didn't have an answer to this question, but as soon as you said that, Terminus came straight to mind. And I think was a massive mm. player in why Maverick kind of lost so much popularity after sort of the 2014-2015 era. And a lot of people turned to Death and Taxes and sort of Aether Vial based strategies where if your opponent did Terminus the board, it was actually a lot easier to build up threats um straight away rather than having to untap play a creature with summoning sickness and then hopefully untap again and then attack with a creature right yeah the the rise of terminus in uh right before the top band the year year and a half two years before before top band i guess i could see why that that pushed out maverick because terminus is just that's just brutal can't come back from that but why, uh, I mean, why, why don't you think you see more, more Maverick now? Or maybe do you see more Maverick now and I just don't see it? Because, you know, the, the down, downturn and miracles lately. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think there is a, a massive following in Death and Taxes. Uh, and I think a lot of the players that could be playing Maverick or that would really enjoy Maverick are just really enjoying playing D&T. It's definitely one of those decks that if you stick with it, um, you're really going to be rewarded for... You know playing you know hundreds of games with the deck and just getting your reps in um so i think it's i think the supply of players there to play maverick is there but it's just it's one of those it's one of those decks where if you're playing legacy you want to be playing some of the broken spells you want to be playing your force of wills your brainstorms maverick right. isn't really a deck that comes to the forefront of the minds of those coming into legacy and going let's play some really like fun broken magic or um let's play some magic that I also have force of will to make sure that I'm not going to lose this game to some outrageous play from my opponent. <laughs> Let's just all play some fair summoning sick creatures. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think it, I think it really is a fair deck, and that could be also its weakness that not many people want to go to a GP and play one of the fairest decks in the format and try to do well with it. Um, I think it, it it definitely deserves a lot more respect than it gets, um, and I think over the last year it, it definitely has got that respect back. No, yeah, I definitely think you're right about the the last year thing, but you, you mentioned something that, you know, when you go to these events, you want to play something busted. I think that's 
I think that's inherently true because of just the way that Legacy has been treated at these large-scale two-day events. Um, the GPs, the Star City Opens, and how few there's been over the last like four years compared to the previous like six, seven, eight. Um, and, and the weird schedulings, even on years where there is as many or more as year before, the Easter weekend thing. Um, yeah. You know, you have all these times where it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like the legacy community can get to these places. So when you do, you're, you're really sort of, you're, you're sort of forced to play something either that you are going to have fun with, or if you're interested in winning, that can win it all and just like, the best way to do the second is to play an unfair deck. So I, I guess if somebody has Sneak and Show or Maverick, they're not necessarily inclined to play Maverick if that's not the deck they just have the most fun with. 100%. I think um, a lot of it comes down to as well just how the deck is built. Uh, so, you know, you may have a few cards in the main deck that can do some pretty good things against fast combos. So, you know, if you're on the play game one, you might be able to cast an Noble Hierarch turn one and then turn two, maybe Green Suns for Gaddock Teague or just be able to get out a few more creatures than on the draw. Um, because when it comes down to it, you know, Maverick is something that doesn't really have much against fast combo before turn two. You know, your Thalias, your Gaddock Teagues. Um, mm. Whereas a deck like Delva, you know, even though you're on the draw, if your opponent tries to go off a combo, you know, you do have Force of Will. Um, you can play a creature turn one and then actually have days back up. So um, it's definitely a deck right. where you're putting yourself in a position that is quite vulnerable at like a GP. Um, especially if you just, you know, you have a, a horrible day with the die roll because being on the draw is just so much different to being on the play. Right, right. And, um, you know, th thinking about... <coughs> excuse me. Thinking about cards that, you know, are, are sort of reactionary in that way that Maverick is not. I don't know if you've ever thought, and I guess this sort of leads into another topic, is I don't know if you've ever thought about something like Mindbreak Trap, playing that in your 75. Um, j just stuff that stops, like, Gristlebrand, or uh, stuff that stops, like, Storm, on a turn where, like, you're tapped out and you can't. Um, and, and immediately, the, both the traps come to mind. R uh, Ravenous, I think, is a graveyard one, and Mindbreak is the, the Storm one. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, or if there are any other sort of card selection, um, new or old, that can sort of kind of fill in that hole that Maverick has being a fair deck, being a fair non-blue deck. Yeah, definitely. I'm a big fan of the Black Splash in Maverick right now. Um, so having something like access to main deck Abrupt Decay and then uh, in the sideboard Thoughtseize. Uh, Thoughtseize is a great card I, I don't mean to interrupt you, no, but it's interesting to me when you say that you're a big fan of the Black Splash because when I think of Maverick, I immediately think of Dark Mav. And I don't know if that's from when I started playing Legacy, which was when Miracles was really on top, right? And everyone that was playing Maverick still was playing Dark Mav to beat Terminus. Yeah, 100%. Um, I do love seeing the old list that ran like the full four Dark Confidence in the main deck. That's definitely mm -hmm. like just... That's just the magic that you, that a player like me wants to play. Um, <laughs> but I just, I just feel especially now, especially with the printing of cards like uh, Renin 6 and now Oko and even Plague Engineer it's nice to have the Abrupt Decays as one not only for removal for creatures but also Planeswalkers um, that we're seeing a lot of right now 
Uh, and then the Thought Teaser is so good against the decks that you just, you don't really have a chance against sometimes on turn one uh, against decks like uh, Storm or, you know, maybe even Sneak and Show or, or Miracles. Um, and then of course, Plague Engineer is just huge against the, the sort of boogeyman that is True Name Nemesis. Um, whereas, you know, a green-white deck might be playing Council's Judgment in the sideboard as the answer to True Name, but uh, it's it's always rough when you when you draw when you draw it and you're like yes and then it gets countered and you just gotta you know you gotta maybe use a Sylvan Library to dig for another one quite quickly. Um, right, all right. But but having the plagues are, are nice because they come in against a whole variety of matchups. Um, the Death Touch is really nice, um, and it just kind of adds to the. It, it's it's a bear that that beats down as well. Um, it's kind of like playing. Uh, the Ethos One Canonist over Rule of Law. Um, it just it 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 allows you to apply pressure while you're also keeping your opponent from doing something. But in regards to the sort of traps of the format, I did play trap Mindbreak trap that is in Death and Taxes for a bit. I think it's really good when your opponent doesn't expect it. Um, so I, I got an opponent once at a, at a pretty big tournament where they didn't duress me. They just tried to go off because I didn't think I had interaction. Um, oh <laughs> yeah, I think Veil of Summer is definitely in that spot right now, where you can just get your opponent if you have Veil of Summer and opening and an open green source. But uh, I've definitely relied on Does on the that bears. Really get your opponent though. Second, sorry. I don't know if Veil of Summer is sort of a gotcha card. It's just a at that point in the game, like super early in the game, Veil of Summer is just a cantrip. Yeah, that's very true as well. Um, I have seen on I have seen on uh, MTGO as well a few screenshots on Twitter of opponents casting Veil of Summer in response to like a Thoughtseize, and then their opponent going off anyway and trying to tendrils them at the very end. And it's like, no, actually, you still have hexproof. It's not just stopping the Thoughtseize. Oh, yeah, which is <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> pretty funny. Uh, I know that uh, a lot of Maverick players, especially Dan Neely, who's a, a god with the deck, um, big fan of him. Uh, has been playing Chalice in the sideboard, which is great because it acts as turn one interaction. Um, if you're playing it for zero, uh, you can of course cast it for one as well. And it's against Storm, you're not really casting anything else for one other than Mana Dorks, which you can Green Suns for anyway. So um, Chalice is a viable option against those sort of faster strategies. Um, yeah, but Mindbreak Trap could come back in. Uh, it's, a, it's a little bit annoying that if you have Thalia out and you're tapped out, you can't cast it you're most likely going to be winning that game anyway, or at least winning at that point. And the same with Gadok Teague. It is a card yeah. that you can't cast through Gadok Teague. Yeah. And, and, and the, I mean, like you said, both of those cards, if they're out and they're not getting bounced, you're, you're still just winning that game. But, yeah, I, I can understand that. Um, we just had... Dukes. We just had an interesting BNR with no changes. Updated BNR. What do you make of that? How does does that help or hurt Maverick any? I personally have been championing besides the unbanning of Top because Top did nothing wrong, the uh, banning <laughs> of Gristlebrand and the unbanning of Yogmoth's Bargain. I think that's spicy. Interesting. I, I'm not too sure of what the sort of implications are of unbanning Yogmoths. I'm not sure if it's something that people are going to think. Oh, there's going to be a deck that's kind of just dark rich into it quite early and then just pays life and storms off. I'm assuming that's like the, the basic build of a deck that would use it. Yeah, I mean, that would that would be the the guess, right? Because you could just uh, jam Dark Ritz, LEDs, Petals, mocks, whatever. Um, can you show and tell in uh, enchantments? 
Yes. Okay. Because you can show and tell in Omniscience. Interesting. Interesting. So we could have some sort of like Ancient Tomb show and tell Lotus Petal deck. <laughs> that, that, that's my thought with it. But I don't know if you have any um, thoughts on you know the ban or even just the meta in general and how un- unbanning or banning something or just the the meta as it sits and as it is devolving is sort of uh, being affected by Maverick. Yeah, it's interesting. I think that um, Legacy's in a kind of weird era where, you know, a few months back, everyone was talking about Khan and, and Narset, and now those two Planeswalkers, you don't even really see that much. Um, it's all and about... then Modern Horizons got printed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but even personally, I've maybe played, you know, I try to play two leagues a week, so that's, that's 10 matches a, a week. Um, and over the past, like, you know, two months, I might have played against maybe five or ten like rens at a, like in total as much as everyone's saying it is a very much a ren format um or a, or a plague engineer format um and now kind of turning towards oko as, a, as another way to to hit the uh the format as well it's just it's always it's not always what you expect i guess so because i haven't had that much experience against ren or plague engineer for that matter um i'm definitely not that unhappy that there weren't any changes i do like that they're definitely giving it more time and giving the the format more time to adjust because I think with the deck with a archetype like Legacy where you have a massive pool of cards and such a great community, you're always going to have those few key players who find the answer in how to shift their archetype or shift the the meta to actually answer these cards. Um, so little things like you know you have a lot of uh, like Phil Gallagher, um, X, XJ Cloud. Um, a lot of Maverick players switching from Mother of Runes to Giver of Runes because it kind of course um, live through Ren and Plague and then have other advantages. Um, you're looking at decks that are sort of running less X1s um, or may- maybe running more uh, answers to cards like Ren or, or Plague Engineer. So I don't think they're... I think that if you have an issue with them, you should really look at your deck and maybe try to adapt it and have some like fun, have some you know testing with it. Uh, and see what we can come up with. Like I know there's people talking about Gilded Goose in, in Maverick over Birds of Paradise, which I think takes probably the deck into a new kind of Bant area where you want to be playing Oko as well because, um, you know, once the first food is gone, you don't really want to have a, a, a zero two that doesn't make mana unless you pump more mana into it. I don't think Maverick's really the deck where yeah. you're going to have that spare, um, that spare mana around, but... You know, I think the I think the format's in a, in a pretty great spot. I think it's quite wide open. I think it's a lot more open than some people believe. Um, there's not there's not too many decks that are just getting, um, you know, all out. Uh, I'm not too sure of the word, but you know, even elves elves is playing dark depths for a bit. Julian five would with it, and now there's even a, a guy on you on a, on Twitter that I should know his name, but he uh, he's in a, like a 15-0 streak with elves. Hmm. So. I think um, yeah, for an archetype that everyone thought was dead after Plague Engineer uh, existed. Yeah, hundred percent. It's uh, it's putting up results, and it's really just because uh, you know time and and testing and trying new things, um, and players just not really giving up on on a deck and and sort of fighting through and fighting the good fight, which is it's always good to see. Yeah, I I think that's really the sort of eternal mantra, at least in terms of like legacy vintage it's like when something like this happens and the format is so warped at least for a time being 
Um, because th- that was the time when Karn came out, when Narset came out, right when Ren came out, that the format just warped around it because everyone just sees these new busted cards like, well, uh, these cards are nuts and I'm playing these colors. Now I'm playing this card. And with everybody playing those colors. But as it goes on, people are dedicated to whatever deck they're playing, even if it's not in those colors. The Pox players are dedicated to playing Tomb Stalker because it's a better blocker for Delver than uh, a real big fish. You know what I'm saying? So, like, that's a real interesting thing to me that really only happens in in Legacy and Vintage because even... I know this isn't... We're not really talking about Vintage, but even Vintage that happened um, where people had to get around uh, Narset. People had to figure out how to play around Narset because all of the Xerox lists you would play, they would all have Narset and you would get your day ruined. Yeah, 100%. When Narset first came out, at least. <laughs> um, one other sort of slide change as well with uh, with Ren coming out was I saw a lot of uh, top players uh, like Dan uh, move away from Green-White Maverick and go towards Green-White Depths where your matter Acceler into Mox Diamonds and, of mm-hmm. course, don't really get affected by Ren. Um or even players moving towards sort of the, the Sylvan Plug style decks where you have your Mox Diamonds, you have your Knights, you have your Ramen Up Excavators, um, you have your Chalices, um, but you're still applying a lot of pressure, a lot of disruption. Uh, you're just not playing like a traditional kind of Maverick build. So it's it's very cool to see people not give up on the colors that they play or the, um, you know, archetyping quotes that they try to play with. But um, yeah, I think there's, there's always light at the end of the tunnel. You just got to kind of get your shovel and get going right right and i i like how you um you mentioned gilded goose and, and oko and just for this bant mav territory which it's correct me if i'm wrong that was i mean that was the move for a little bit was playing bant mav a yeah couple years ago definitely i know that uh the guys at Centraft used to get a lot of play uh in kind of the maverick builds um and also have some access to like counter spells like flusterstorm in the sideboard uh, which is pretty sweet. Um, there's even a, a few like four color versions of Maverick that play Leovold uh, and then play Flusterstorm. Um, so one one kind of cool interaction is if you if you're playing against Storm and they cast uh, sort of Tendrils of Agony and you have Leovold on the field and an open blue mana, you can draw for each Storm and hopefully draw into Flusterstorm and then counter the rest of them. Oh, <laughs> which is a a, a slight out. To a, a lethal tendrils on the stack, but it definitely yeah, you know, yeah. it's just a, a very cool interaction that I that I saw the other day. I would have never thought about that. That's that's pretty funny. Yeah, which is pretty cool. So you're like, okay, you gain two, I lose two, I draw a card. It's not Fluster Storm, okay. You gain two, I lose two, you draw a card, I not Fluster Storm, okay. I gain two, draw two. Oh Fluster Storm, okay, I'll count the rest. Oh man, that's a blowout. <laughs> that's pretty good. I I have to store that one. In the back of my mind for the next time I play Strifo Pile. Yeah, I, I assume it's, it works for Veil of Summer as well because if they're all still in the stack, you can still cast Veil of Summer and then uh, get Hexproof right, and fizzle the rest. Yeah, which is kind of cool. Um, the one, the there one was, reason. Um, a bl- no, go ahead. Oh, good. I was just going to say the the one reason I I don't float into the four color decks is just because that's where your your mana base gets really quite stretched. Um, you might rely a lot more yeah. on your mana dorks and you know in a Renan and plague engineer format you don't really want to be relying on your your x1s to to cast your spells yeah yeah um i was just gonna mention so i i've been primarily playing we, we talked about this before 
we start recording. I've been primarily playing Mono Blue Delver lately, and the um, my favorite storm counter has not been Flusterstorm because I find Flusterstorm to be very bad. Okay. My favorite storm counter is Lazatet Plating from War of the Spark, and I know you don't know what it is, but I'm going to tell you what it says. <laughs> it's a one in a blue instant. You and permanents you control gain hexproof until end of turn, and you amass like one. Ah, I that's think. the one with the artwork that looks a bit like the Terminator. It's like a skeleton. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. I believe some people were talking about that in Infect when it was first revealed. I don't know, but I think that'd be fun in Infect. Yeah, but that's a. It's, it costs two mana, which is practically a million in Infect. Yeah, that's, so I've heard. that's fair. I do like that as an Outer Storm, though. But in, in Mono Blue Dever, I do like it a lot more than Flusterstorm because I feel like, and again, these are all meta situations, but it's it's hard to envision a deck in a vacuum because you have all this stuff coming around that's affecting what you're playing in the main, what you're playing in the 75, you know. Um, but I, I found more value in playing something that gives me hexproof because that's only going to come in for Storm, and I can free up other slots. So instead of trying to force Flusterstorm in against, I don't know, Miracles or some other uh, spell-based deck, I can just focus on that being a Storm slot or being a, like, Belcher slaughter or whatever, you know, fringe deck will come up that needs to target me, and then I can focus on the other 13 cards in uh, MI75 and figuring out when where to sideboard those. I don't know if you've ever encountered anything really specific, really niche like that. Maybe, like, if, if there was a time you were playing a trap in the sideboard where you're like, okay, well, now I have to really think about the other... 13, 11 cards that I'm putting in. Or even, like, um, I don't know if you've ever played uh, 4F Leyline in the board when, when Reanimator got really popular a couple weeks ago. I have uh, I have two words for you, and they are Obelisk mm. Spider. Uh, so Obelisk... I have no idea what that card is. <laughs> okay, so I believe uh, Obelisk Spider is from Hour of Devastation, I believe. Uh, it costs mm. one, a green, and a black. It's a, it's a one for spider creature. Uh, and whenever it deals damage to a creature, that creature gets a neg one neg one counter put on it. Uh, and whenever a creature gets a neg one neg one counter put on it, you gain a life and your opponent loses a life. So because it's a one four, uh, it blocks Delver, and then the neg one neg one counter kills it. Um, and also works really well against Dreadhorde Arcanist because if the Arcanist attacks and you block it, the neg one neg one counter means they can't actually cast any more spells for the rest of the game with the Arcanist. Um, it also just seemed like a right, great. I say pump it somehow. Yeah, exactly. So just the one four body seemed really good because it blocks it blocks flick wisps and kills flick, flick wisps. Uh, it blocks Tomic and you know Sarah Avenger. Uh, they don't kill it and it slowly kills them. Um, so that's definitely like one of sort of the the niche bullets that I've had in my sideboard um, as of recently, and it's always pretty fun to play with. Not many people expect it. Some people <laughs> definitely read it. You can, you know, on MTGO when people are reading a card when it's on the stack because you know they've, they've been yeah. playing sort of like quite fast, and then you cast it, and then there's like a, a like a ten to fifteen second pause. <laughs> um, or like, or like the longer ones that I'll do because I'm like looking up this card, and I'm like, there's no way this card does what I think it does. You gotta look at like the Oracle text, like older cards and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, but one of the one of the advantages where Maverick has. For sort of having those one-off silver bullets in the sideboard is that with 
the consistency of the deck relying on green sun zenith if you do play a one-off green creature in the board you kind of have, have access to five of them in the main deck with green sun zenith um mm -hmm. so of course something like you know gadok teague in the main deck although you only have one uh game one you do have sort of five copies or five ways to get it um against something like term uh, against miracles or storm um and the best thing about green suns is that even though you're getting gadok teague if they counter the green suns they're not countering the, the gadok teague so you're still going to have access to it like you're still drawn to it yeah exactly or, or drawing to another uh green sun zenith and that's that seems like something to me that is uniquely maverick or at least at least these these green white decks you know that that's a very unique thing to have there's not many other decks like the only other example i can think of is death and taxes saying you can counter the vial i guess you can destroy the vial i guess but like you still have all these creatures in your hand only instead of playing with the seven you know cards in your hand you're playing with the 40 some odd cards in your library because you're, you're playing with green sun yeah 100 percent um and i think that was a push for those players who did go and play green white depths over green black depths because you did have that green sun zenith package as kind of a backup plan if your opponent was well equipped to beat the the 2020 dark depths combo Mm. Right, right. Yeah, I, I think I think that's um, that's a very interesting breakdown. Do you have anything you wanted to? I think we we talked about something else when I texted you that you wanted to bring up about Maverick. Oh uh, yeah. So uh, last year with CBR MTG, uh, I did a format shifted series where we looked at a few modern decks and how you could transition them. Uh, on a budget into Legacy Maverick, which was pretty cool. Uh, so looking at decks like mm -hmm. uh, Green White Value Town that I think Todd, Todd Stevens made popular, um, and then you know your your kind of Green White Hate Bears kind of decks with Leon and Arbiters and Haven Mind Senses. Right, right. Yeah, I I think that the sort of shift from modern to Legacy is one that, and you mentioned it in in the beginning of this. Um, um, podcast where that, that sort of feels like a natural even if it's not it feels like a natural thing like you're playing standard and then you play modern and then you start getting into legacy and it's it's weird how like like I'm sure we can conceptually see like oh you have the standard the modern and we can like weigh the pros and cons but you don't ever really think about that you just think like man I just see all these people playing like these powerful cards in Legacy. Like I would be playing all these powerful cards. You, you see, like even even index like uh, modern hate bears. It's like I can just play these more powerful cards if I just played Legacy. I could play these duels or whatever and splash black and and that kind of thing, which I think is a very unique thing. I think only between modern and Legacy, because even between standard and modern, you don't have that. I think with with Pioneer coming, you'll have a little bit more of that between standard and Pioneer, um, or maybe even Pioneer and modern. But I think right now, that's a very unique thing for modern and Legacy is this sort of like closeness towards the end of. Uh, you know like the few years you start playing modern you start kind of dipping your toes in the legacy and kind of feeling that out a bit yeah 100 uh i know that a lot of people talk about you know it's how magic was meant to be played and i think legacy is probably the closest thing to that 
I mean, Legacy is just <laughs> yeah. such a good format that carries a really nice community with it. And although it doesn't get that much support these days um, in regards to GPs and um, so, sort of the, the bigger events, that there is that, that community there that the off chance that a, that a company does back at, like, say, Eternal Weekend with Card Titan, um, there's going to be players turning up. There's going to be players flying in from everywhere just to be able to play some competitive mm. Legacy. So... Um, when you when you mentioned Pioneer, I think that um, I think that a lot of people are a, a little bit scared about Legacy right now, but uh, I don't think it's something to be scared about at all. I I think that's a topic for another podcast. Yeah, that, that's I think fair it's enough. Interesting. I, I I think as as um, consumers, no one can really tell us what dies. There's still people playing with 93 94 with these old border birds of paradises you know what i mean so so the format will never truly die um i don't think anybody should be worried about my modern killing legacy pioneer killing legacy standard killing legacy i don't think that's a a worry because it's it's type 1.5 you know what i mean there's been so many more iterations of magic since then and there probably still will be yeah, I, I think that Legacy holds something that's truly unique in that it's it's a super powerful format that is somehow like magically checked by everything inside of it. Which, for example, if we look at Modern recently, that didn't happen. That didn't happen with Hogat. That didn't happen with all these Faithful Suiting decks that were 63% of the meta Faithful Suiting was. You know what I mean? But in Legacy, everything's pretty self-correcting, and maybe that's due to this large card pool. Maybe it's just due to the community, but whatever it is, I'm not complaining about it. Yeah, that's uh, I definitely agree with that. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I I think that's a uh, that's a good one. Unless you want to talk more about this, uh, I know you you said you had the format shifted and that is on your website, which is greensunzenith.com. I believe it's all on there as well. Yeah, you can also find, I believe, the other Format Shifted series uh, through the CBR MTG YouTube channel uh, or through their website, cbrmtg.com, uh, which is a really right, cool... Right, the original one. Really cool series. Up yeah. there up there with the... Uh, uh, I don't know if you want to touch on anything more with that specifically before we go. Um, no. I guess I was going to touch on like that there isn't that much of a gap between modern and legacy especially when it comes to like the financial cost no no not really and, and i think that's one thing and I, I feel like most of the people that might be listening to this might be legacy enthusiasts but i'm not sure that this um to get a little meta here i'm not sure this might this is going to stay a legacy specific thing because i mean i can talk about modern archetypes I can talk about vintage archetypes i can talk about what standard archetypes are relevant or pioneer archetypes are relevant but i i think that you write the sort of like costs, like the the perception of like, oh, there's duels, oh, there's there's uh, reserveless cards, there's lion's eye, and I think that sort of skews people because there might not be one card that costs like two hundred bucks. But have you ever like seen a storm deck? It's like a bunch of bulk uncommons. Yeah, and then LEDs, and then lion's eye diamond. Yeah, <laughs> and then LED. Like that's it. That's the entire deck. <laughs> Uh, um, yeah, I, I think you're right about that. So if if someone were, let's say, to try and... Um, I know you, you did cover this in your format shift series, but if you want to give a little quick um, 
overview for somebody, what would be important for transitioning from Hate Bears to Legacy Maverick? What would be your sort of like maybe top three gets? Yeah. Okay. So I think uh, I think Green Sun Zenith is of course the engine of the deck and definitely a card that you need. Right. Uh, there have been some lists that I've seen that have run off basics instead of jewels. Uh, and I think with a, a green-white build, which I, I definitely push you to start on, just the, the classic green-white um, is where you could go. Um, you're then looking at, you know, your source to plowshares instead of your path to exiles. Um, you'll have mm. your knights, you'll have your nobles. Um, you'll have access to a few more sideboard cards. Um, but there's actually a really good uh, building on a budget article on the Green Sun Zenith, uh, which kind of goes through the steps a little bit like uh your own uh building on a budget series uh oh yes the classic building on a budget series <laughs> sorry i totally I totally blanked on the name <laughs> uh um budget to, to, budget to tier there we oh, go you got there. budget to tiered. uh but yeah it's 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 really good um it, it gives you the basics what you need and kind of once you've built to stage one where you can upgrade to stage two and then stage three um so looking at you know getting your guys cradle is kind of the last thing that you'd get yeah i think when when that was posted i i didn't i didn't read it um in preparation for this but i think when that was posted i did read it and i was like oh man this is really cool yeah it was really because nice. it, it is really just a snapshot of like these are the real important hits and these are what you could do with with the cards Exactly. So it was uh, it was Jordan Munston who uh, gave me it as a contributor article, which is really nice. Um, mm. And then yeah, at the bottom I have linked to CBRMTG's Budget to Seed series because it is very good. Oh, appreciate that. And you can find that at CBRMTG.com. You can find uh, uh, Dukes here at GreenSunZenith.com. Dukes on Twitch um, at on Twitter on Twitch. And before we go, look, man, I just want to ask you um, about just the legacy in general. If you could give me, like, uh, you know, your your sixty second, like your your elevator speech for how Maverick is gonna, like, if you want to entice somebody to play Maverick, like, what would what would you tell them? What would be your sort of pitch? I'm all ears. I'm 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 a new new man. I'm invested in legacy. I, I'm I'm sort of parsing through decks give me give me your elevator speech so maverick is a is a creature based deck uh that uses the toolbox of green sun zenith to find your powerful silver bullets uh it's got a lot of game against all decks i wouldn't say there's too many where you're just sort of the out and out loser um but there are definitely going to be some some pretty big uphill battles especially when you start off with the deck but i am going to say this that it's a highly rewarding deck uh there's definitely a lot of interaction uh, and a lot of decision making when you're playing the deck. So uh, if you do want to have a deck that feels really rewarding when you pull off a win, um, you know, I think Maverick's definitely the deck for you. It it doesn't really have a chink in its armor. Um, it's more so just making sure that the deck is built consi in a consistent way that you're able to, you know, find the right spell at the right time um, and just make sure you can sort of hold off your opponent from completing their strategy before uh, you beat them down with you know a bunch of 1010 knights or a bunch of 22 bears or a bunch of 22 bears or 32 bears with exalted <laughs> I mean exalted definitely comes into it yeah 
All right. Well, I mean, look, I'm I'm sold. I don't know if any of our audience is sold, but I certainly am. And uh, I appreciate you coming on and talking to me. I know we're a world apart, so I'm more impressed that we both found the time to <laughs> the to talk about the joys of Legacy Maverick. Hey, you're welcome. Anytime to talk about the magic, I am uh, all ears, especially when it comes to Legacy. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Archetype Influencers. You can catch uh, the next episode next Thursday, the 3rd, out of four episodes of this uh, mini-series. And for myself and Dukes, um, I will just talk to you guys next week. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, thank you very much for having me, and thank you to you guys for what, for, uh, for listening. <laughs> or watching. However you decide to take out your content. Okay. I'm not your mom. Okay. <laughs>